Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Jim Irizarry, Sean Steyer's Leprechaun Lunch means, well, it means another game day coming up. Notre Dame, Wisconsin tomorrow at Soldier Field. Noon kickoff, a little bit earlier than usual. You're here, you'll hear it here on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch is presented by First State Bank, the only community bank headquartered in Elkhart County. First State Bank offers the highest quality products and services. How you doing today, Jim? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> getting getting through the week. Happy that it's Friday. Happy it's Friday. It looks like a nice fall day outside. Day. I've been outside. It feels like a nice fall day. You know, we got some sunshine in today after some cruddy weather for the last few days. Right. So my mood is already a little bit better than it's been the last few days. Oh, yeah. Days. Absolutely. <laughs> Get, soak in as much of that sunshine as you can right now because, you know, you know what's coming in like a you know month and a half. Oh, man. So... I tell you what, I mean, and it was already coming. I don't know about you, but to me, no, yesterday's rain wasn't, you know, like as cold as like early November, you know, that kind of rain. But still Mm -hmm. it was cold enough. And I don't know about you, but cold rain is worse than snow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would would much rather just have snow than cold rain. Now, I'm not saying I prefer snow in September. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Cold rain. Worse than snow. If, was, if, ah. if I ever see snow in September around here, yeah. that, that's it. I'm just handing in the two weeks, and I'm uh, packing up and moving somewhere. I don't care where, as long <laughs> as it's just warmer than here. So. Yes, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, we've got a game day coming up tomorrow. Supposed to be a nice day in Chicago. So nice, as a matter of fact, that both game day, ESPN's game day, and Fox's uh, what is it? The big noon or the big, big noon kickoff? Big noon kickoff show. They're all gonna. Of course, Fox is televising it, so it makes sense sure. that they're gonna be there. But yes, so both of the big pregame Ooh. shows are gonna be there. That'll be interesting. And, is there gonna uh, be a rumble on TV? That's what I'm wondering. Like Anchorman, you know? Like, will somebody <laughs> cut off somebody's arm? And <laughs> is Bob Stoops gonna take on Lee Corso? You know, with like a machete? <laughs> that's right. So. That's right. That's that's what I want to see. I'd I'd, I'd I'd actually pay to see that. You know, like. No commercials, no mercy. <laughs> Are we Ready actually going to gonna go. find out where Brick got the hand grenade from? What? <laughs> Are, answer these questions, ESPN and Fox. That's right. You should probably lay low for a while. Find yourself <laughs> find a safe, safe house. house. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going on tomorrow in Chicago. And of course, we'll have the game right here on Sports Radio 960 AM. Our pregame coverage begins bright and early, 6 a.m. With a replay. The Brian Kelly Show tomorrow, then at 7 a.m. It's the game day show with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario. I know they've got Reggie Brooks on tap, 
Yes. Uh, other than that, I don't know what the guest list looks like because <laughs> whoever they can if wake up wants to wake up that early. Yeah, <laughs> they might just be filling the next hour and forty-five minutes after the Reggie Brooks interview. <laughs> so I guess we'll I guess we'll see. But then at nine o'clock, Darren Pritchett and I have game day sports beat, and it is a two-hour show this week. So we'll go from nine to eleven. Eleven o'clock, Notre Dame Radio Networks. National tailgate show, and then, of course, noon is the kickoff. And then former Notre Dame quarterback Evan Sharpley and I have the postgame show afterwards. So we'll be done a little bit earlier yeah. this week with a noon kickoff. The That's sun's exciting. still going to be up. Yeah. Like, Won't know huh? what to do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Man. Trouble to get ourselves into. All right, well, uh, let's jump into it. We're going to have a Wisconsin rider on, a guy who covers Wisconsin here in a few minutes to uh, you know, to kind of uh, look at that side of things, but let's look at some other stuff right now. What do you have for me, Jim? All right. So Wisconsin's obviously the biggest name that Notre Dame has faced this season. Correct. And given what we've seen, you know, during the Florida State game and during the Toledo game and during the Purdue game, how you feeling about this week? I tell you what, I was just kind of, as I always do, scrolling through Twitter, you know, just to kind of see – and I don't know why, but, I mean, the, see sort of how people are feeling right now. And, and, you know, it's the end of the week, and so all the different people on our beat are starting to make their predictions and things like that. And, like, we don't – I don't know if Darren does a prediction on his show during the week. I don't make mine until the end of the show on game day sports beat because a lot of times mm-hmm. – you know, a lot of times I kind of have a feeling who's going to win – you know, but we predict the score and all that kind of stuff, and I, sure. I I like to sit and process and wait and, you know, that kind of thing. But people are making their predictions. Oh, and guess what? People are picking against Notre Dame. Huh. You know, so now all of a sudden the evil, you know, it's it's blame the messenger time once again. It's the evil media's fault. And if Notre Dame loses, it's going to be the media's <laughs> fault for picking against Notre Dame like somehow we influence the game. You know, it's it's not the fact that Notre Dame can't run the ball 2.9 yards per carry, mm. you know, against three opponents that are a combined 3 and 7 and the three <laughs> wins are against Norfolk State, Yukon and Oregon State. <sighs> Meanwhile, Wisconsin's only allowed 66 total yards of rushing <laughs> through two games. Wow. You know, <laughs> and one of those opponents is Penn State, you know, so it's mm-hmm. not like they're playing, you know, the children, you know, the, you know, the, the, the deaf and blind school or whatever. The little sisters of the, the poor. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And it's and and then you've got the other side of the ball where Wisconsin's offense is averaging 266 rushing yards. Notre Dame's allowed 145 a game, a solid number. But, again, look at the competition they've played. We know they should be running the ball right now, and that's what we're looking at. And, you know, the fact that they've allowed runs of 89 and 67 yards in their first two games and then a 31-yard run last week – to Purdue at a crucial time in the game. You know, I said going into that game, at least if they could cut those 60-yard plays in half, that would be a win. And so, you know, at least they did that. But then, you know, again, they've been doing great all game, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's Purdue at crucial time with a 31-yard run. I mean, if you're Wisconsin, you just want to keep plugging away with your big hosses up front in that offensive line. So I guess that doesn't answer, you know, your question completely as to how I feel. This is definitely going to be the most physical team that Notre Dame has played this year. Do I think they have a chance? Yes. I'm not writing them off by any means. I think that this can be a relatively close game. 
But what it's going to come down to, to me, is Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn showed against Florida State when Notre Dame couldn't run the ball in that game that he could put the game on his arm, and I and I think that that's what this is going to have to be, that they're going to I, – I don't care about, oh, they've got to run the ball enough to show they can do it and all this different kind of stuff. I mean, they're going to try to run the ball. I'm not going to say – I'm not saying they completely need to abandon the run, but based on the evidence that's been in front of us for three games and based on – how good Wisconsin's run defense is, this game is still, to me, going to be more about can Jack Cohn and his wide receivers, you know, which I guess I shouldn't say wide receivers, his receiving core, full mm-hmm. arsenal that includes Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, and tight end Michael Mayer, all those guys, the full complement, can they move the ball effectively in a predominantly, I would say probably 80-20 split, 75 or, you know, 70-30 at, at you know, uh, at the extreme end of the spectrum, I think that's what they're going to have to do. I, I think that that's you know, can Notre Dame move the ball like that? I think they can, but again, Wisconsin was decent against a Penn State team that, besides uh, what they did against Wisconsin, has thrown the ball pretty well so far. I don't think was that Penn State quite has the same kind of playmakers that Notre Dame has. Um, so I think this is going to be a really close game, and it's ultimately going to come down to Notre Dame and Jack Cohn, Jack Cohn being able to put the game on his arm against his old team. Okay, so that eliminates my next question of <laughs> are you sure? I'll just cross that <laughs> out right there. Uh, I guess question number three. Uh, okay. <laughs> What was question number two? Uh, question number two was, are you sure? Um, <laughs> question number three. Of course, uh-huh. of course, Notre Dame's going to try to establish some sort of running game tomorrow. Right. But like you said, Wisconsin's only given up 66 rushing yards all season. Yeah. So how quick, how quick do they move away from the run game? You know, I don't think this is a case of you're just going to try to ram the ball into the line and take a chance of three and outs. And Mm -hmm. I just – I don't see them trying to force establishing the run. You know, I just – now, they showed the willingness to do some different things last week, like bringing in Joe Alt. Uh, They did, you know, some things with him as the H-back, kind of the old Tommy Trimble role. Uh, you know, and I've heard people say, well, you know, Tommy Trimble has such a unique skill set. And he did because, mm-hmm. I mean, he showed last night and he, he scored on, a, on an end around last night. He's got speed. They didn't really use him as a skill guy, Notre Dame, last year. They they used him predominantly for his blocking. So you can see some of that with Joe Alt. It's like Brian Kelly said yesterday that, you know, the way Wisconsin is multiple – with their defensive looks, they're predominantly a 3-4 team that can go to 4-3. Well, they are more 3-4 when the team, I believe, and I'll, I, I want to uh, actually look this up and make sure. Gosh, I clicked on the wrong thing there. Hang on just a second. Bear with me for just a <laughs> second because I want to make sure that I say it right because Brian Kelly was breaking it down uh, when he was asked about it yesterday they Mm -hmm. are more a four down team when 
the opposing offense is in 11 personnel, one running back and one tight end. And they are more a three-down team when the team is in 12 personnel, one running back and two tight ends. Notre Dame used more 12 personnel last week and, uh, you know, even some 13 from time to time, and, you know, depending on how you want to include alt and all that kind of stuff. So my point is I think they're better off with 11 personnel on the field potentially. Now, you're still going to see some 12, but with the communication problems that Notre Dame has had with this new offensive line, three down, three, four defenses traditionally have given Notre Dame a lot of trouble. Like you go back to Ball State, that was a 3-4 team. You know, you can go down the line. There have been 3-4 has given Notre Dame issues. And I think that when you're talking about a team with, you know, with all these guys working together, communication being such a thing. And, and so now instead of four defensive linemen down in front of you, you've got four linebackers spread out. And now you're going to get pressures from all different places with more athletic guys coming at you, and that has been an issue for Notre Dame. Just look at the blitz on the very first play of the game last week against Purdue. So to answer your question, I don't think Notre Dame necessarily abandons the run. I do think that they are – I think they're going to try to run when they can, you know, maybe not necessarily surprise, but 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 when it's, when it's uh, off script – a little bit more when they can maybe it is maybe just saying when they can surprise Wisconsin is the way to go they yeah do they have to still show some semblance of a running game sure but again when you're averaging 2.9 per carry against mm-hmm. the competition that they've played I just think that they I, I think this is a game where you're going to see a lot more throwing the ball than running the ball because I just think that they're going to be running into a wall most of the time, if that's all they're trying to do is, is pound it in there and the run, run the ball against this Wisconsin team that's really good against the run. All right. Yeah, I was, you know, it's kind of the whole thing of, you know, Wisconsin having a, a good run defense. You know, it's just a totally foreign concept uh, historically. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I was just kind of like, uh, you know, how's, you know, like our, our like, is it going to be like a third, third and one, and they're going to try and and run for it, and it's just like, uh, I, you know what, I, ninety nine times out of a hundred, I'm not giving that to Notre Dame even. Well, you know? you know, I saw some of the, you know, some of the guys on ESPN, you know, they were diagramming some different plays that Notre Dame had against Purdue last week, and there was one particular instance where they at least had two tight ends on the field, and I believe it might have been even three, and. They had a numbers advantage, for example, to the right side of their formation where they had, you know, like they had one more blocker than Purdue had defensive players on that side, whereas okay. on the left side of the formation it was even, or Purdue might have even had, you know, like one more guy. And so Notre Dame ran to the left instead of to, to the right. That's what they were talking about. I okay. think that sometimes maybe you outsmart yourself a little bit. Like you're trying to go, okay, you're trying to show – Here's where we've got all the, these blockers, but that's not where we're going to go. We're going to try to catch you on the other side because you think we're going to go to this side because that's where all the blockers are. Well, sometimes maybe it's just in your best interest. Yeah. If you're going to put all those blockers on one side, you know, just get it up in there and let Kyron Williams do his thing because Williams showed last week that he doesn't always need the best blocking, you know, to make something out of 
nothing. So, you know, I, I think I think that's the thing is don't outsmart yourself, you know, because I, I think that that happens sometimes. Okay. And finally, my last question, how much of an advantage does Wisconsin have as far as quarterback film goes? Because, you know, they saw Jack Cohn for a long time, and, you know, you could piece what he can do along with what Notre Dame has done so far this season. Uh, you know, how, how, how prepared as far as quarterback play are they going to be? You know, I've been trying to decide how much of a factor that is because most of the questions have been about, you know, is there an advantage from Jack Cohn's perspective or Notre Dame's perspective, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they can sort of glean from Jack Cohn about Wisconsin. And he talked about, well, I face their, their defense in practice every day and some of those kind of things. And, and I would still think that, you know, he's going to know about their offensive tendencies and some of those kind of things as well, and that can come into play. Obviously, Wisconsin is going to have a much more in-depth knowledge of what they think Jack Cohn's strengths and weaknesses are, you know, from from his time that he spent there on that team. I guess the one thing that I would say, though, is, I mean, you can look at him. He was not asked when he was at Wisconsin to do the things that he is doing right now. This so is like true. Very true. He, yeah. Uh, so he's sort he's he's more or less it's you know like free Jack Cone. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like or let let Jack Cone eat, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Or let him cook, you know. Like and that's what he's doing right now. He's cooking. He really wasn't cooking when he was at Wisconsin. It was it was different. So I, I think that there's definitely some things that they know about Jack Cone and maybe they will try to capitalize on but I, I think that there's a lot of things that, that we've all seen from Jack Cohn that regardless of if you're Wisconsin or anybody else, you know, like the way he deals with pressure. Like, you know, like I think it's good that he's willing to hang in the pocket, but sometimes he moves too far up in the pocket, you know, and gets himself maybe into some trouble that, that he doesn't need to, you know, if he's more comfortable back there. But I think it's also harder to get comfortable based on the, the, the lack of protection that he's had being sacked 15 times through three games so you know to answer your question you know again I, I think that there there have got to be some things that Wisconsin thinks that maybe they can take advantage of but Jack Cohn is is also making throws right now that that he wasn't asked to make very much at Wisconsin because of that run heavy offense that he was in all right all right I've got time for a couple that I want to throw your way before okay. we take a timeout. the Irish are about to enter their toughest stretch of the season these next five games starting with wisconsin you've got wisconsin cincinnati virginia tech usc north carolina varying degrees but i think we can all agree that this is the toughest five game stretch that they are going to face so over under three and a half wins they will get out of these next five games man i think i I am right there on that line of. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. that I've stirred you because yeah, I stirred Vince I, when I asked him earlier this week. Man, as well, uh, made it as tough as possible. <laughs> yeah, that that three and a half number, man. You know, because that 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 means you're going to win four of these games, and yes. that's you know, like you mentioned, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, USC, and North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if USC still ranked. I I don't think they were. But uh, that's not now. Yeah, not now. Not after the loss to Stanford. Yeah, that's that's still, you know, basically 
four other top 25 teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't recall if Virginia Tech is still ranked either after losing to West Virginia last week either. But, you know, they were up there too. Uh, so, man, three and a half. I, that's an under for me. Yeah, that's where I'm going as well. These are all five completely winnable games. Yeah. Uh, I would say – for the, I don't want to say they're also all completely losable. I, I think yeah. that, you know, I think that Notre Dame, just on, just on paper, should be better than both Virginia Tech and USC, mm-hmm. without a doubt. And you're right, Virginia Tech and USC have both fallen out of the top 25 because Virginia Tech lost to West Virginia last week. But I've got to go under, as well. I, I just think that. The way Notre Dame is designed, I think the defense is getting better, and that's kind of becoming the X factor yeah. to me. Because cutting down the big plays last week, well, what happened? All of a sudden, for the first time, they held an opponent to under 20 points. Purdue only had 13 points last yeah. week. Now, how good is Purdue's offense? I don't know, but at least theoretically, I think that they should be better than Toledo's offense, and Toledo was hitting big plays against them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just think. That, that's kind of the X factor to me. If we see continued improvement from that defense, which is Brian Kelly has, has kind of continued to remind us over these first three games, hey, they're learning a new defense. It's a completely different kind of defense they're playing right now compared to what they were playing before. So, you know, I think that that, that can be a big X factor. How is Notre Dame, going, you know, like tomorrow against Wisconsin? Does Wisconsin have a size advantage? Sure. But at the same time, Notre Dame has a depth advantage because they've got great athletes on that defensive line, and they're going to rotate them. You know, we've seen a couple guys stand out so far, Myron Tongavaloa, Amosa, as well as Isaiah Foskey on the other side. We're going to see Jordan Batello, really, according to Brian Kelly, for the first time he played special teams last week. We expect to see more of him as a backup Viper defensive end behind Foskey. So Notre Dame has numbers that they can throw at Wisconsin you know so that is that is a big advantage when it comes to the fourth quarter because typically it's like you know those big defensive lines just beat you down and beat you down all game long I think that's something Notre Dame can avoid tomorrow for example but uh, you know again to go to the question I just think that I've got to go under I am slightly under on this on the over under of three and a half all right we better take a time out that number three and a half no yeah it's (laughs) I, I, you know, like, like, like I told Vince, I try to make it as as uh, challenging as possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Leo E. Premer in South Bend or Jim Hibschman in Mishawaka. Some of our other sponsors of the Leprechaun Lunch: Four Winds Casino, your entertainment escape; Legacy Heating and Air, your cooling and clean air specialist. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949, Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michigan area locations, and of course our presenting sponsor, First State Bank, the only community bank headquartered in Elkhart County. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we will hear from a Wisconsin writer from BadgerBlitz.com talking, talking about the Wisconsin Badgers for tomorrow's matchup between the Fighting Irish and Wisconsin. That's we can, when we continue with Jimmy Rosari, Sean Steyers. This is the Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
Con Lunch continues on this Friday on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This week, talk to Jake Kokorowski from BadgerBlitz.com to preview Wisconsin ahead of tomorrow's Notre Dame-Wisconsin game at Soldier Field. Let's hear from him right now. You know, when this Notre Dame versus Wisconsin series was announced a few years ago, there was already, I think, a lot of excitement. I know there was on this side, you know, for Notre Dame to add an opponent like Wisconsin and everything. And then we got that added layer that that came with it, you know, the the extra storyline when Jack Cohn transferred to Notre Dame over the winter and now, of course, the starting quarterback here. So not sure exactly how much you've seen him so far, but what what uh what have you kind of thought maybe you know when 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 you kind of see what Jack Cohn has done so far through his first three games at Notre Dame yeah I was able to catch uh, a good chunk of the Purdue game I was re-watching that on DVR I was trying to enjoy my bye week a little bit here and there with I hear you family time you, you know how it is with family time and trying to do a bye week during football season it's like it's absolutely okay right. what can we do but you know but look at that I got to re-watch a little bit of that on, on my DVR uh, I watched the Florida State Notre Dame game, and, and what I came away with is that you know Jack Cohn, he he can make throw the throws that we all thought he could as a college quarterback, not just a college fo- football quarterback, but a power five standout quarterback uh, and, and whatnot. And he, he saw some of the, even, I remember even tweeting out this during the Florida State game that there was one throw that he made, uh, and it was you know it was towards the sideline, uh, and he made a similar throw to. Quintez Cephas during the Michigan game on a fourth and two during the 2019 season. And I said in my head, I, I tweeted that. I'm like, yeah, I've seen that type of throw before. And he had done that the same, uh, you know, against Florida state. And so, you know, Cohen I thought was extremely underrated at Wisconsin. And, and yeah, you had Jonathan Taylor, obviously and you're going to give the ball to a back. That's a two time Doak Walker award winner and rushed for 6,000 yards in his career. Right. You right. Pass up that opportunity. Uh, and Wisconsin's bread and butter, since the Barry Alvarez era has been to establish a power running game. Uh, that's been, you know, obviously a staple of the offensive scheme, no matter who it's really been, uh, whether it's Brett Bielma, Barry Alvarez, uh, you know, or Paul Christ, but it, it really, you know, uh, from what I've seen from him, I mean, you're seeing him air it out more, I would say with, with Notre Dame's offense. I mean, the fact that he's averaging 276 yards per game through the air, uh, you know, he has eight touchdown passes, only two interceptions. Uh, you know, I, I you know I know Notre Dame's rushing attacks only gained about 105 yards per game or so through the right. first three contests. But you know, you're seeing like they're relying on his arm, and you're seeing just what he can do with it and uh, and whatnot. So, uh, and plus, you've seen the, the kind of the grittiness, the toughness, where the social media thing of him popping in his uh, the thing dislocated finger uh, yeah. in week two <laughs> and 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 whatnot. So you know, he, he's always been a leader at Wisconsin. Uh, there's a lot of respect, a lot of love for Jack Cohn in, in Madison. So, you know, but for my team too, he's been able to air it out a little bit more. And there's things that we've seen from him that, you know, we saw in glimpses of at, in Wisconsin, but maybe just perhaps a little bit more at Notre Dame. Well, it's funny because, you know, and I don't know how funny to you sitting where you are, but after the game that Jack Cohn had against Florida State, the way he was airing it out, and then Wisconsin – you know, loses to Penn State in the opener the day before. And, you know, Graham Mertz had two interceptions, and I saw a lot of Badger fans. You know, you talk about social media lighting up. They were all wanting Jack Cohn back. Did did that kind of calm down after the win over Eastern Michigan? What's what's kind of the barometer right now? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough, too, because you had a dependable quarterback like Jack Cohn, and then, 
you know, who, you know, according to rivals is a four-star quarterback. And then you have coming in uh, Graham Mertz, who, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the 2019 class two years later. And so it, you know, and there was such a skill set, I think with, with Mertz to that 2019 all American bowl performance where, yeah, obviously there's no blitzing in a high school all-star game, et cetera. I think we could only rush four, but he had five touchdown passes and uh, kind of lit everything up and everyone, there's a hype train, took off the astronomical uh, measures right. in, in Maya's there. And, and he, but even like during spring ball uh, of 2019 uh, in the second week of fall camp that we were able to watch that year, you, you saw everything from Mertz, the, the intangibles and the, the attributes that you want out of a, a standout poor power five quarterback too, making every throw, having the arm strength, having the ability to have some finesse too. Uh, you know, and, and with Mertz too, it's, you know, he still hasn't exactly – you know, started a full season yet. Yeah. You know, he had seven games last year, but, you know, um, on that matter, you know, Jack Holm did, you know, started four games in 2018. Uh, so, you know, so I guess maybe, you know, it's, it's just interesting to see the progression and if there is a parallel or not with, uh, you know, with their careers. And I mean, it, it's, it's hard too, because uh, just quite frankly, you know, like Murphy's still working through things. And, you know, I guess in my eyes, Murphy has that ability to, to be a real standout quarterback and to, you know, take the passing attack for Wisconsin to another level that's comparable to what you saw in 2019, where there was a really good balance between Wisconsin, uh, the rushing attack and the passing attack. Right. But, uh, you know, it, it, I guess really, it, you know, it, it, it may be, it's, it's going to be a big storyline of Mertz versus Cohen, which I, I feel may be a little unfair at the moment, but uh, it's also something where, you know, people like, I think knew how good Cohen was going to be. And, this, you know, I thought that he was going to be, a standout quarterback for Notre Dame just based off of what we saw. And just, like I said, he, I thought he was underrated. Uh, I, I don't think that people are fretting over Mertz's performance, but they are wondering just, you know, what's next and just what will happen. I think Wisconsin is going to have to pass well against Notre Dame uh, to win. You know, they can't, I mean, they can't just run repeatedly, but um, yeah, I think the jury's still out and just, you know, what's next for Mertz. And it'll be interesting to see this, if they can actually get, you know, create some deep passing uh, game and deep, threats or whatnot against Notre Dame and for the rest of the season as well. I know that, that Mertz has said his pocket presence is something that he wanted to work on coming into the year. What, what have you seen there through these first couple games? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, the past uh, Penn State, I mean, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, pro football focus credited the Nittany Lions with 16 pressures that contest. So him having, you know, talk about pocket presence, well, you have to have that ability to uh, really – you know, feel comfortable. And, and I did not see that against Penn State where, you know, he had two intentional grounding penalties as well, which did not help uh, Wisconsin. There's one drive early on that appeared promising, but then was halted because of that. And then on top of that, you know, the, the fourth quarter intentional grounding that, you know, essentially put the game away and led to a, another, you know, his second interception of mm-hmm. that game that quarter. So, uh, you know, I think he's getting better. You saw – I guess Eastern Michigan, and it is a group of five, uh, you know, group of five program where the talent, you know, nothing against Eastern Michigan, but not the talent of a Penn State defense. Uh, I did see more rhythm, a little bit more, you know, being more comfortable, more timing uh, with his receivers. I thought he had really good chemistry with Kendrick Pryor. He's got good chemistry with Danny Davis. Uh, you saw him be more comfortable against Eastern Michigan, but, you know, he wasn't relied upon to get the ball really moving, moving because they rushed for 352 yards against the Eagles uh, on September 11th. So I, I think you've seen some improvements. I thought you saw improvements between week one and week two, but it will be interesting just to see 
how the line protects against, you know, a Notre Dame unit that, you know, has, has 13 sacks on the year and has gotten pressure on, on quarterbacks in the first three games. Jake Kokorowski with us from BadgerBlitz.com, covers the Badgers. And, you know, you, you mentioned the running game. Wisconsin known for running the ball so well. I mean, they're averaging 266 on the ground so far through two games, and it's been the Clemson transfer, Chesma Lucy, who's, who's led the way over 140 yards in both games. And, and I, I know there were some other experienced guys in that backfield. What have you seen from Malusi so far? Really, you know, I remember talking to running backs coach Gary Brown. And for those that don't know, Gary Brown coached the likes of, of Darren McFadden and Ezekiel Elliott with the Dallas Cowboys during his tenure in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he thought that Malusi was a three-down back. And I think we've kind of started to see that more and more that, you know, throughout the first couple of games of the season. We'll see what happens, obviously, uh, for the next 10 in the regular season. But it really, you know, he has a nice burst to him. He's very patient, and he'll wait for the holes. But then he does. He, he takes that step, and he explodes through it. Uh, you know, he had a 60-yard run against Eastern Michigan. He admitted he should have scored on that. He felt a little tight. Uh, you know, and maybe attributed that to kind of a, it was a human night in Madison. Uh, on September 11th against the Eagles. So really, you know, I think he is, you know, he could be a three down back for sure. He has that ability. I mean, he takes advantage of the open holes and, you know, he's made a really positive impact for Wisconsin in that ground game, which looks rejuvenated compared to last year where a year without Jonathan Taylor and then some, you know, some injuries, you know, or what are not even injuries. Yeah. There's some injuries in the backfield, but also just um, trying to find someone to, uh, you know, replace Taylor, uh, you know, it was tough. But behind, you know, Malusi, uh, you have Jalen Berger, a former four-star product out of New Jersey. You know, he had 15 carries for about 62 yards and a touchdown against Eastern Michigan after not playing against Penn State. Isaac Rendo's kind of that home run type back where he had an 82-yard touchdown against Eastern Michigan. Wisconsin said they clocked him at 22.15 miles per hour. He's mm. an Indiana native. Uh, for, and whatnot, he, you know, and, and he's, everyone's talked about his speed. He's a former track star, state champion in the hundred meter in Indiana, you know, a, a few years ago. And everyone's talked about his speed, but it's been, you know, him staying healthy with his hamstrings. He battled hamstring issues, you know, his first, you know, was it 2019 and 2020 that knocked him out of significant game time action. So now that he's healthy, he had a healthy spring ball. He wasn't, this, you know, he, uh, you know, wasn't he didn't necessarily get a lot of teamwork at all but during fall camp he stayed healthy and he showed that he could run between the tackles but then you saw you know a couple weeks ago he's able to turn on the afterburners and go down 82 yards uh you know for for a score so uh, you know those three i think you know teams are going to have to scout against a burger runs hard i think he's got the speed he's smooth i remember gary brown saying back in uh the spring during spring ball so uh you know i think all you know, every, any team that faces Wisconsin has to scout and prepare for all three of them. But uh, it's Wisconsin's rushing attacks have always been good when they've had multiple players. Or you're talking about Monte Ball, James White, Melvin Gordon, Corey Clement. There's always been combinations of the John Clay back in 2010. There's always been combinations mm-hmm. of backs uh, and whatnot. Jonathan Taylor maybe is an uh, you know an aberration where he was you know he carried the rock a vast majority of the time during his time at Wisconsin from 2017 to 2019. But uh, you know, I, I think it's it's good for Wisconsin, and if that line can keep up and and you know assert themselves on Saturday, it could be a good game for for Wisconsin uh, in, in that offense. Badgers brought back virtually everyone defensively, with the exception, I think, of the defensive 
ends. You know, so when you look at that, they, they've only got a couple sacks so far. But you know, how would you say that unit has performed through these first couple games? Yeah, I mean, you know, the front seven is probably among the best in the nation, and, and I don't, you know, I, I, I promise you, y'all, I'm, I'm not a homer in that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I believe you. <laughs> uh, no, but it's just one of those things where I, I've, you know, been able to cover the team for about seven, eight years, you know, on, on the beat consistently, and you just see this unit like during fall camp, and you see them for parts of the season, but just, you know, during times they would just wreck the offense in terms of pressure and getting to the quarterback. So. Uh, you know, and that was during Super Bowl where, you know, and that, they weren't hitting anybody, you know, necessarily tackling the quarterback or anybody, but they were getting pressure. And that, kind of, that carried over to Penn State and against Eastern Michigan. And, you know, they only, like you said, they only have four sacks, two per game uh, heading into this matchup. But Pro Football Focus credited them with 28 pressures overall. Uh, and what makes Wisconsin's defense with that pressure so good right now is, is the fact that their defensive line where – if they go to a nickel look, they only have two defensive linemen. Matt Henningsen and Keanu Benton, uh, you know, are, are standout players that could be NFL bound in my eyes. Uh, and they can not just like claw gaps like a base three, four defense. They can actually penetrate uh, and make plays on their own. We've seen it a few times. You know, Henningsen had a sack a couple weeks ago. Keanu Benton's been able to make tackles for loss and you know get off blockers and make plays that way, and also bat passes. So that, those are good signs there. But also off the edge, Nick Herbig. Uh, to, you know, to me, you know, Wisconsin may have, you know, a handful of game-ready outside linebackers. He kind of leads the way. He's a sophomore, has one-and-a-half sacks, uh, but, you know, can really get off the quarterback. And really, I think this could be his breakout year. But in the middle, Jack Sanborn, Leo Chanel, two inside linebackers. Chanel, uh, Paul Chris said he foresees him being a full go for practices and uh, the game this week. And, you know, he, he announced uh, on September 4th that, or he being Chanel announced on Instagram that, you know, he had tested positive for COVID-19 and, and whatnot, and he was going to miss the next two games. And so it looks like he's going to be back this week, or he's expected to be back. Uh, and he is just a pass rushing fiend in my eyes. Uh, and he made a big impact in fall camp and getting in the backfield often. Uh, but he also led a team in sacks last year and, and, and tied to team lead in tackles for loss. But him and Sanborn could get in the backfield. Sanborn's been an animal getting back there too. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a key. I know Notre Dame's offensive line, uh, you know, it, you know, they've given up some sacks. I think they've given up more, you know, four or more sacks <laughs> yes, in each of the three games. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> and whatnot. So, but, I, but I think that Wisconsin, you know, Jim Leonard, too, the defensive coordinator, uh, can get you – know, he can he plays such – he plays chess on the football field so well and creating pressures and, and just moving players around. And they're only rushing four a good chunk of the time. And they're still getting back and making pressure because of just where, you know, disguising things and making things happen. So that's going to be a key matchup. I think Wisconsin can get pressure on Jack Cohn and that offensive line. Uh, it'll be interesting to see just if they can get home. Uh, and that's that, if not, you know, can they create takeaways because they only have one turnover credited to them this year so far. Right. And, you know, as I guess the, you know, the front seven is one thing, the secondary is another, and I'm you know, I'm not saying that in any kind of negative way, but do, do you think that between Cone and this receiving unit, Michael Mayer, and just you know the whole group, is it fair to probably say this is the biggest test that their secondaries had so far? I, you know, it, uh, there's a lot of credit for no game. I think Penn State's receiving core was a very tough challenge too. Okay. Uh, not, not necessarily with the tight end. I mean, the tight ends were, were you know they had to take care of, but Jahan Dotson, uh, an All Big Ten caliber receiver, you know he you know, had two 40 plus yard receptions and then, you know, on top, you know, and, and Penn state kind of made the, you know, kind of 
challenged Wisconsin on some of their rules in the secondary. And, you know, Wisconsin secondary, you know, may not have the names, but they've been very, uh, you know, stout and they've been able to contain uh, for the most part. And that's what's made them so successful. And there's, you know, some, some experienced players, at least a handful of players in a secondary that have started games throughout the years. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, if no games can present challenges of if they're going to take shots downfield, Wisconsin's going to, you know, if they play man coverage, they're going to have to defend well, not be too physical to draw penalties, et cetera. Mayer's going to be probably the top, top tight end challenge they're going to have this year. I know Mayer leads the team in receptions and, you know, and touchdown catches too. Right. So uh, that's, that's going to be a huge uh, matchup in my eyes. And if the secondary, whether it's, a, you, know, uh, you know, safety or linebacker, I'm thinking it's going to be top. I'm not sure who's in the cover, but uh, I'm sure that that's going to be a focal point of taking him away uh, and, and make, you know, and on top of that, I, that's a, I know Fan Hicks, uh, who's a redshirt senior cornerback, is questionable this week, uh, according to Wisconsin's preliminary status report that was released yesterday. Uh, but, you know, Cesar Williams is a six-year corner that came back. Uh, Alexander Smith, Dean Ingram, uh, and along with Samar Melvin, you know, and, and Dante Burton, they all have experience in that uh, defense. And it should be really, I mean, an intriguing matchup. If that pressure doesn't get home to Cone, you know, and company, uh, that could open up some big things for, for the Notre Dame offense if, if they can connect deep and it's going to be up to the secondary uh, to, to make it happen and, and to shut down the Notre Dame passing attack. That is Jake Kokorowski from BadgerBlitz.com. We've got Notre Dame and Wisconsin coming up at noon tomorrow here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We'll take our final time out, and then Jimmy Irizarry and I will be back with more Leprechaun Lunch. We'll hit some props for some games tomorrow and this weekend and more. Leprechaun Lunch, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT along with Jim Irizarry. I'm Sean Styers. We've got Notre Dame and Wisconsin coming up tomorrow noon Eastern time. Of course, we've got Budweiser's weekday sports beat coming up at 5 o'clock tonight. Vince D'Addario and I will be out at Concord High School. We've got Mishawaka at Concord in an NLC matchup this evening. Should be a beautiful fall night. So uh, looking forward to that. We'll be out there. Jim will join us for a little bit on Sports Beat as well. What do you have for us right now, Jim? The uh, the Notre Dame spread right now. Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, a, a six-point spread in a lot of places. You were just saying that, uh, that FanDuel's down to like five and a half. Yes. Um, the... Uh, Let's see the over/under, the points total set at uh, at forty-seven and a half. Interesting number is the first half point total of twenty-three. Hmm, twenty-three. Yeah, that's you know, like I've seen, I haven't seen a ton of predictions, but more low scoring in this game. I think I think some people think that it's going to be a lot like Penn State. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when that game was, what, 16-11? to 11? <laughs> when There was nothing going yes, on yeah, it was offensively. 16-13 or something, yeah. I just think, you know, I think that this bye works against Wisconsin a little bit. You know, they had a bye last week. You're only two weeks into the season. And whereas Notre Dame is, you know, keep playing, kind of work on some things. Now, obviously, you take the chance of getting some guys dinged up and, you know, there is a chance, it sounds like, based on Brian Kelly's answer yesterday, that, like, nose guard Kurt Heinisch might not play. But, you know, Brian Kelly also said, look, if, if you know, 
he's not going to play, we'll tell you he's not going to play. He didn't say he's not going to play, but he also mm-hmm. didn't say he's going to play. <laughs> right, so, yeah, that's not exactly but, a ringing endorsement. So Yeah, but my point <laughs> is I think that Notre Dame was able to make decent enough, especially defensively, going back to that, decent enough strides defensively. And, you know, they kind of got they, – they didn't throw the ball as well as they wanted to, so that's something that they – you know, again, I think that the passing game is going to be big. I guess my point I, – I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a grinder like like Penn State, Wisconsin in that mm-hmm. season opener. I think there's going to be a few more points scored than that. I don't know. What do you think? I, th- I think more than 23 in the first half. Yeah. But it's it's going to be close, I think, too. <laughs> so 23 is like, you know, 14 to 9. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 13 like, 10, something yeah, like that. If yeah, you're envisioning it that way. I think there'll be more points than that scored in the first half myself. Yeah. So elsewhere there's a it's it's like it's almost like a weekend of double digit spreads this weekend like like i'm looking at uh i'm just looking at the board on on the action network you know fresno state and unlv 30 and a half point spread uh villanova and penn state 29 and a half point spread uh i i, I was telling you uh off air during the break ohio state's <laughs> akron and ohio state is a 48 and a half point spread man like, how do you bet spreads this weekend? You know, I know. I oh. know. Seriously, one of the one of the closer ones that I found, and uh, it's actually kind of interesting. Clemson's only a twelve point spread <laughs> over over NC State. Uh, both of them at two and one. Uh, Clemson, of course, ranked number nine. NC State uh, ranked uh, unranked, actually. But uh, yeah, twelve point spread. Actually, down to a ten point spread now. Well, you know, so. and Clemson is having its own issues. Yeah, they are this year between DJ Uyangalale, you know, being a different guy, they don't have Trevor Lawrence anymore. Their offensive line isn't as good, you know, and they've never Mm -hmm. had nearly their offensive lines. Haven't been as good as what Notre Dame has traditionally had. And and it sounds like their offensive line is having some issues this year as well. So that, you know, it might not be a cakewalk for them through the ACC, like it's been in most years. And then uh, also out West, uh, kind of an early game for out west, a 6 p.m. kick, but uh, UCLA and Stanford, of course, Stanford on the uh, on the schedule for Notre Dame. Stanford, you know, coming off uh, or or at least has beaten USC this season. You know, that was a that was a big upset. Yeah. Uh, just a six and a half point, uh, four and a half actually. I'm sorry, it's four and a half point spread uh, in favor of UCLA here. So, you know, I'm not going to lie, Jim. A six o'clock. Eastern time game, UCLA and Stanford. That to me sounds like, you know, some ice cold Budweiser's Mm -hmm. kicking back, relaxing a little bit. The post, you know, our post game show will be over by then. That sounds kind of enticing to me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm fine with it. If if you can find the Pac 12 network somewhere. Oh, it's on the Pac 12 network. Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate part. Yeah. Because, you know, nobody has the Pac 12. I wonder if it shows up on ESPN Plus or anything like that. Ooh, that's, that's. That's something to look into, quite honestly. Yes. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas, 7 versus 16 matchup, a, a, a five-point spread there. Texas A&M, the favorite. That in, that at Arkansas, too. So, in or at, whatever. So In or at, one yeah. of the two. One of the two, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but like I said, like everything is, at, you know, outside of Clemson and uh, – and NC State, you know, everything is like in the 20s as far as a spread goes. So, huh. and it, and it's it's not like 
you know, teams are playing, you know, the FCS sacrifices like Alabama likes to do. It's, yeah. you know, See, Iowa, I, Iowa, Colorado State, you know. I uh, stay away from those. Yeah. I'd rather look at over-unders and, you know, yeah. those kind of things for those kind of games. Yeah. I so. All right. We're going to have to wrap it up yep. here. We've got a little bit less than a minute. Jim, I will talk to you tonight during Sports Beat. That's right. All right. We will be there along with Vince D'Addario again out at Concord. We've got Mishawaka at Concord this evening. Leprechaun Lunch is presented by First State Bank, lending strength to our communities by devoting ourselves to uh, help local businesses grow and prosper. Also, some of our presenting sponsors of the Leprechaun Lunch here on Sports Radio 960, WSBT Wings, etc., South Bend Orthopedics, Legacy Heating and Air, as well as Four Winds Casino. Are you ready for your next escape? Experience the excitement at Four Winds Casino, South Bend. And also Edward Jones making sense of investing. Jerry Hunt in South Bend. Ryan Hale in South Bend. Leprechaun Lunch, WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 